listening to Season 2 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider and Brandon Jaggers. Good evening, everybody. Brandon Jaggers with the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, number 88 this evening. I'm joined uh, by my pal, Alan Schneider, tonight. Alan? Hey, Brandon. How are you doing? We've got a little shakeup going on. Our good buddy, CC, the king of our castle, is uh, unavailable. He's a busy man. So we, the supporting cast, the second bananas, are going to see if we can't <laughs> handle this without our king. Yeah, well, CC, we miss you tonight, but we'll we'll know we'll have you back for next week. We're gonna have uh, what what are we gonna call next week? We've already got it teed up, Alan. What is it called? I don't, I don't know. We haven't come up with a title yet, but we're excited about it. It's been a long time since we had Michelle Lovell or Tom Drury on. We're gonna have them both on together, maybe have a little fun. But I'm sure uh, I'll, I'm a little clever with the work. I'll come up with something by the end of the week. I think. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, trainer trivia, perhaps something like yeah. that. Maybe a little Jeopardy. Maybe a little something like that. I think I like it. I like it. And I'm just wondering well, if uh, if CC didn't uh, have his issues with Bob Evans. That that I hope that went okay, right? I hope that's not the issue why he's not here tonight. Correct? Yeah. He Bob no Evans idea. from a couple of weeks ago. He uh, <laughs> he was raising hell with him. So I hope he didn't go uh, batshit crazy on him. And, yeah, I thought they were going to be a sponsor, but maybe not. So. Yeah, and Cracker uh, Barrel's better anyway. But Bob Evans. Is yeah. Better. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, to recap the weekend, uh, looks like I, one of the big headlines that we saw out there, there was a John Doe out there who we may or may not know here in Louisville, Kentucky, yeah. uh, that may have taken down a big pot, uh, the Rainbow Six, the day before the mandatory payout day. And uh, that was just a unique uh, set of circumstances. We read it on the the Pollock report. I thought that was yeah. a really good write-up of of how that day goes and i would refer our listeners back to if you wanted to read more about how that whole thing un- unfolded but uh i didn't uh, read the article time, how much how much did he put into it how much did he put into this ticket uh, it was a, the pick six for the 20 cent was a thousand eighty dollars and but he credited some people or something is that is that wrong mistaken oh that's right the old wizard michael kipnis from the naira he's a new york guy i've actually met him before Talked to him on the phone. He owned uh, the horse Josie. I think Josie just ran this past weekend. Uh, was it at Oaklawn? Yep. And uh, yeah. that's where Dream, Little Dream of You was always racing against those, those uh, older mares. But then yeah. uh, he also, Keeneland Dan, our, our good friend Dan Cronin of the pod. Yeah, I'm uh, sure Dan really appreciated that. In, yeah, was touted in there. And he likes some of the write-ups uh, that they do, and obviously, you know, Craig does a couple of the sheets for for Dan as well. So uh, it was just a really cool story. Uh, there's no funny business. Everybody, I'm, I'm reading on this Facebook that they're like, oh, you know, it was fixed or they knew, and I will tell you, <laughs> I don't think that was the case at all. No, uh, Gulfstream, no. like in every end of day, uh, the, the last race is always these maiden optional claimers, either state breads or something so you just never know what you're going to get who's dumping into those races and uh our good friend local jock Corey lannery was on that winner i forget the horse's name camello or something like that that sounds uh, right Pets- uh, yeah i think you're right 
Ken Sweezy's horse. So, uh, but we uh, tonight we've got a real special guest kicking off the second pod of uh, 2022. We're coming in real strong tonight, Alan. Do you think we're strong? Uh, yeah, this is somebody Brandon uh, hooked us up with, and uh, we're surprised. Uh, we're delighted. Uh, give you a hint real quick. He he won the Preakness last year, uh, among other things. So, yeah, we're going to be welcoming on Mike McCarthy here in a little bit. Yeah, it's exciting. Yep. yep. So, uh, without further ado, we should get right to it. Right on. But we wanted to introduce our big guest tonight for podcast number 88. This young man started started in the training business in 2006, took out his own license, started his own barn in 2014. He's an original Ohio bred out of Youngstown, Indiana, but quickly moved six years later to Arcadia, California in 1977. This young man or up and comer or however, we're all up and comers still. I'm 43. Alan's like, I don't know. Alan, how old A million. Yeah, but we must tout some of this trainer's biggest wins came in 2018 at the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile with City of Light, and most recently, 2021 Preakness Stakes winner, Ron Bauer. We've been following that horse all year. We thought he was going to win every time he came out, but man, he picked his spots and always ran really great. Um, This trainer actually started with Doug Peterson, Ben Cecil, and then the Hall of Famer, Todd Fletcher, in August 25th of 2002. So he comes from a lot of different training areas. He's been East Coast, West Coast, overseas. He's interned. He had actual Ron Anderson, who I think is the trainer, uh, the jockey's agent for Joel Rosario, was the original person to put to put him with uh, Todd Fletcher to have uh, initial conversations. He's also a great golfer. Yeah. And we'll talk about his handicap here on the pod. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm introducing Mr. Mike McCarthy. Mike, how are you? Guys, I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Good, good. Well, we were, we've we been asking uh, a lot of the barn, the backs out here at Kentucky, Justin Curran, we got to give him props because he put us together. It always takes a phone call to, to make stuff happen. And uh, I was a little persistent with Justin because he said you were busy a lot. So I was like, man, we got to do it one time, one time. So we thank you for being on tonight. Um, yeah, we, we kind of, you know, obviously we've been following you and stuff, but, you know, tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and kind of how many you have out in Santa Anita right now. Uh, we've got 45 horses right now out here at Santa Anita. Not, um, not, not, not too many, not too few. Um, you know, it's that time of year where things get a little bit quiet. A lot of mares retired, be bred, um, you know, horses just kind of getting a, getting a year end break and things like that. So we'll look to go ahead, come springtime here and, and, and bump those numbers up a bit. But um, obviously based here at Santa Anita, got uh, about 14, 15 horses at Churchill. Well, based in Kentucky right now at Tyrone Training Center. Um, same thing, look to kind of pump that up in the spring so um a lot of things now just kind of in a holding pattern because of the time of year and uh usually the racing calendar you know january and february there's some triple crown races and kentucky oaks races prep races and stuff that uh, a lot of guys are getting ready for but not so much in the way of handicap and turf races around the country outside of kentucky and florida so uh, we're just looking to kind of 
keep everything happy and healthy right now and sort of navigate for the spring. Yeah. Do you have any uh, kind of top flight uh, Colts or, or Phillies for the three-year-old season? Do not have any top flight Colts. I've got a three-year-old Philly named Empire Gal who broke her maiden impressively at Del Mar. Got a little sick a few weeks ago here. think that, you know, come springtime, she could make some noise in some of the better three-year-old Philly races, but pretty light as far as it comes to the Colts this year. Yeah, we. I don't know. I can't find them either. Alan, do you know of any that, that kind of hit our radar that seemed to be a dominant? Uh, I know of one last year. Does anybody know the name of the one last year? I guess we'll probably get to that in a minute, won't we? <laughs> uh, there, was, there was a pretty good one last year. Yeah, yeah, and we will cover that here soon. Um, you know, the, the one thing that we want to always tout to our, our listeners is your 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 win percentage or in the money percentage, and it's 45%. I usually like to do that at the introduction, but that's a – that's a heck of a percentage out of a hundred, you know, 1,348 starts. That's really impressive. Uh, so, I mean, how do you do it all? I guess when you have horses in Kentucky and you have horses in California, you have, you know, horses kind of come and go as well as, as each season kind of turns, you know, who are some of your kind of key people that you like to work with and kind of, did you learn some of that from Todd Fletcher or who did, who was kind of your most influential, uh, I guess, trainer or mentor. Yeah, I'd say it goes without saying working, you know, 11 years and change for Todd Fletcher. You learn a lot about organizational skills and, and being prepared and, 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 you know, showing up every day and giving it your best. And I think we've tried to kind of emulate that. Um, I've got a gentleman, Felipe Rivera here, who's been with me for a few years, my assistant here in California, uh, Justin Kern there in Kentucky and Justin's got his finger on the pulse, everything that happens back there. And, you know, he travels all around the Midwest, obviously Chicago, West Virginia. He's been in New York a time or two um, on the go a lot in Kentucky, never in one place for too long, unfortunately, which I find is a problem back there. But, um, you know, it's nice to be able to be out here in California and make two major moves or one major move for the year, and that's to Del Mar for the summer. Um, but we also like to go ahead and put some horses on some planes when 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 the conditions are right, when the horses are good. So um, just, you know, those better races are easy to target when they're six weeks away, two months away or what have you. We, you know, there's an established date on the calendar. All right, Mike. So, you know, back to City of Light, uh, it's really the sales ring is really lit up with the, the babies of City of Light. And didn't I didn't know if you've gotten a chance to see any of those or uh, what, what's your take on these these new uh, first crops for City of Light? Yeah, I've seen um, several of them and been very impressed by what I've seen so far. I mean, it doesn't take <clears throat> me to tell you that it's proof is right there and, the, you know, in the sales ring and you know, sale topper at Keeneland, you know, incredible average yearling average, incredible weanling average, mare and full average for him is, is huge too. So um, he's been a home run all around. Obviously this year, 2022, his offspring will hit the racetrack and uh, obviously very excited to see what, what, what that brings. You know, he was a big horse himself and wasn't very early. Um, a lot of what I've seen of his offspring may be the same way, but you never know. They're all, they're all seem to be getting in the right hands. So, um, 
he's going to have every chance to to make a big splash. Right, right. Um, do you get uh, do you often come to Kentucky at all, or, and go to a Keeneland sale, or any of the sales for some of your clients? I go to the sales, uh, obviously, a fair bit. Um, the January sale is going on right now, and just have a little bit too much going on here in Southern California to be able to get back there. But two-year-old sales starting in the spring, we'll obviously go ahead and have a presence at all those. And, you know, yearling sales in September and August and July. So, um, yeah, we go to plenty of sales. Great, great. Well, Alan, do you have any questions? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about some of these big guys here. Uh, I am a big fan, Mike. Uh, your horse, this is a Kentucky podcast, so you have a lot of horses that obviously run well nationally, but they run well at Turfway. Um, and I think Brandon touched on this a moment ago for getting some of these horses. One thing I've always been amazed and wondering is how guys with large stables that sprawl across several states, how in touch are you with that on a daily basis? You, you mentioned the logistics a little bit a moment ago, but are you – actively watching the races out and and, uh, and keep up with the works in California, the horse that going to Kentucky. Are you, are you, you, you got the final say of who gets entered where, how does, how does that generally work for somebody with a sprawling stable? Sure. No, I mean, I speak with Justin, you know, on a daily basis we go over a lot of things, um, circle race dates, how horses are doing, what kind of options we have and what might, you know, what might help a horse here or there. Just, um, keep the lines of communication open obviously being in kentucky you're on the road a lot and so um you know just because we're based in kentucky doesn't mean we wouldn't run a horse in indiana or presque isle or places like that so you just try to keep your finger on the pulse and keep all your options open know what races are 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 out there at the different racetracks you know in the midwest and things like that so um it's an easy relationship. Justin has got uh, a very good opinion, so I'm really at ease with whatever he suggests. Or, or if we need to go ahead and back off on something, we go ahead and do it. Uh, I want to get back uh, to Ron Bauer. I like to get back to Ron Bauer a little bit more because he's one of my favorites. And uh, like I said, as I mentioned a moment ago, I was on from a, from early on. I know Caitlin Free was, uh, Will Nesker. Our buddy's been on the podcast, a lot of good fan of Brandon's and ours. So I want to tell you why Ron Barr struck a chord with me. And you tell me if I'm on pace with what you were thinking. Uh, he won the El, is the El Camino Real. Is that right, Mike, at Golden Gate? That's, is that, that's correct, yes. And he came from way out of it. He came from way out of it. I think it was a mile and an eighth. And it looked yeah, like it was, it was a measured. It was a measured move. Yep. Uh, he came from way out of it, a little bit farther back than we would have liked, obviously. But um, – was able to get his head down in time yeah so that that, that race kind of caught my eye a little bit it's the way he closed it seemed like it was a confident ride maybe a little too confident for your sake i'm not sure but then he goes to the bluegrass at keeneland okay and that race had essential quality and it had highly motivated and those two ran their eyeballs out they freaked and there was a race with zero pace in the race as i recall and if i'm not mistaken rambar needed points to make the derby so you had to get points and because of the lack of pace in the race, it seems like, I think it was Florent Giroux put the horse up closer than he ordinarily is. And I remember early on in the race, like, well, can this horse handle that? But he did, and he, and he finished strongly, and he actually pulled away from the, from the rest of the pack uh, against those top two that ran their eyeballs out. It was, was that a sign that there's bigger things down the road? Is that what you wanted? Were you encouraged by that effort? 
Yeah, I was very pleased with that effort. He did lay closer to the pace that day. Uh, that was a little bit by design. Looked faceless on paper. And, you know, Florent's been known to go ahead, and that's a little bit of Florent style of riding. He likes to go ahead and get get them involved. And um, I certainly had no problem with that. You know, those horses kind of ran away from him a little bit inside the quarter pole there. But the one thing I took from that was when they hit the finish line, we were still running and galloped mm-hmm. out very, very well. And, um, you know, the horse is kind of, he's been a, uh, a little bit of a, he's, he, he would make you scratch your head at times because the horse had always trained so well, but I couldn't figure out why he would take himself so far back. Um, you know, and then <clears throat> when we went ahead and went to Maryland, uh, the horse was engaged and involved and you know i'm not going to say he was in the race early but he was never farther than five or six lengths off the lead um always found himself in a great stalking spot the whole way around there yeah he did um ron bar was my long shot derby pick i was hoping he was going the derby uh but then you guys decided not to go and then as we watched the kentucky derby unfold it was a race where it was kind of a merry-go-round race where the top four pretty much ran one two three or four on the track uh, did that kind of solidify your decision? Maybe not to not to go to Louisville because maybe as the race played out, it went, may not have suited his style. And and of course, you, you made the right decision going to Baltimore anyway. But uh, in hindsight, uh, was there any regrets about not going to the Derby? Yeah, those are the kind of things. It's hard to say. I mean, I was I was upset the horse didn't get the opportunity to go. Um, you know, he had been training really well. As everything about him was 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 the signs he were was giving me were 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 all positive um and you know it after all it is the kentucky derby you get one yeah. chance at that um the horse had been <clears throat> peaking and i'm just glad that he kind of stayed in form for a couple extra weeks um you know it's it, you look back on it now he's a preakness winner um yeah it would have been nice to see what he would have done in the Derby. It was a bit of a merry-go-round, but you just never know. It's, it's, it's hard to look back now and say, you know, what could have been. Uh, agree. But, you know, you know, I almost feel like, and you tell me if you agree with this, I'm sure you're probably biased. You probably do agree that maybe his three-year-old season uh, gets a little bit underrated, right? Cause he, as we mentioned, he won the El Camino Real. That's on, that's on synthetic. Uh, third in the bluegrass. Wins the Preakness, third in the Belmont. People forget he was third in the Belmont between two horses that ran like rocket ships that day. That that's a pretty solid resume going into the breeding shed, isn't it? Yeah, very solid. I mean, eight starts, six different racetracks. You know, um, picked up and went wherever we needed to go. Um, multiple surfaces. You know, the horse was always flying underneath the radar. Um, I knew he had a couple of big races in him, and I knew that. You know, stretching out to, you know, a mile and an eighth and beyond would not be an issue for him. Obviously, you saw that that day in the Preakness and his race back in three weeks in the Belmont is is very respectable as well. Yes. Um, You know, he's classic winner, classic place. And his two year old year, um, you know, broke his maiden in his first start on the turf, ran in the Del Mar Juvenile Turf Stakes and had a bit of a muddled trip that day. And came running on through the lane and galloped out well and he had trained well on the dirt and 
I thought the American Pharaoh was coming up exceptionally light uh, size wise. And it was a five horse race that day. Horse ran very well and was unlucky not to catch the winner. Um, I don't think Mike Smith that day thought he was going to be able to catch him. And basically the horse kind of dragged him up into about three quarters of a length from getting there. Um, you know, and if he does win, he becomes a grade one winner at two, mm-hmm. a classic yeah. winner and classic placed at three. Um, I'm not going to dispute his resume with anybody. People can say what they want. The time holds up. Um, Preakness Day time. Uh, that time holds up. Uh, horse danced a lot of dances. So a very good horse that probably isn't getting the recognition he deserves. Unfortunately, there were a couple of circumstances beyond anybody's control that took away from his performance in the Preakness. Yeah, I uh, I completely agree with you there, and I'm on I'm on I'm on the Rambar train with you, and I do think he gets overlooked from what he accomplishes as a three year old. And again, uh, the breeders have like, he's successful on all three surfaces. I mean, I think that's got to stand for something. And where where is he standing at? Has that been decision been made out, or did I miss it? Decision has not been made yet. I'm not sure where he'll stand at this year, or if they'll just wait out the year and and maybe go to stud next year. Um, you know, the timing wasn't great. Uh, to have yeah. something like that, have to have to stop on them. Um, people have made decisions with their mares and what they're going to do and stuff like that. So to go ahead and at the last second, try to, you know, promote a stallion, market a stallion, do it, all those kind of things. It just, um, just kind of crummy timing, but um, whoever does get, get him, I believe is going to get, be getting themselves some, you know, a, a heck of a bargain and a heck of a horse that's got a tremendous bottom side. Um, his race record speaks for for itself on all different surfaces, but I think the horses, he's going to make himself a fairly decent sire. I'm with you there. I'll be watching for him. And, uh, you know, the year year didn't end there. I mean, our co-host, Cece, is not with us today, but ironically, that name means quite a bit to you this year, correct? Because Cece beat Gamin in the Breeders' Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint. So there's another big race at the end of your uh, season, correct? Yeah, that um, she's always meant a lot to us. I mean, multiple grade one winner at four. Um, then kind of never, a couple things just never kind of went her way later on in her four-year-old season in the fall of her four-year-old year. And I thought her Breeders' Cup distaff was respectable. You know, she ran fifth with a bit of a wide trip and, uh inside was golden that day and was never able to get down there but um, she came back as a five-year-old and 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 validated what we had thought of her all along i thought her race in the breeders cup was very very good um i can't speak about any of the other any of the other entrants that day but my mare was doing as good as she could possibly have been doing and um, it showed on the racetrack yeah, I remember when the PPs came out. I was like, "It's Kameen, and who's the other the, the, the other big name speed horse?" I'm like, "CC's going to sit a perfect trip. This couldn't have came up any better for McCarthy." And uh, it, it turned out that was the case, right? Yeah, it certainly was. I mean, um, Bella Sophia, Bella Sophia. Rita Rodriguez went out there and 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 kind of butted heads with with Gamin, and she hadn't had too many trips like that where she had been eyeballed and. You know, a lot of times they face they they look like superstars and they are superstars when no one gets near around them. And then when they face a little adversity, sometimes you know, um, they will. Things don't always work out the same. Yeah, there wasn't no twenty three and one quarter uh, that day for uh, Gamine. So you you guys were much the best. 
And I guess I have to ask now, I mean, of, of all your accomplishments on the racetrack, you've got the BC Dirt Mile with City Lights. You've got the Pegasus World Cup, the Preakness, uh, the aforementioned uh, win with CC. Is there any one that means a little bit more than the others, or uh, is there one I'm forgetting that means a lot to you? Um, I mean, anytime you win any kind of black type, any kind of graded stake race, it's a big deal. I think uh, winning my first grade one with a mare named Illuminant, she won the, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> the game only was 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 a big deal for us. Um, y- y- you know, the, they're so hard to win that you really have to go ahead and embrace em- embrace all of them. Uh, yeah, I, it would be hard for me to to put in a pecking order which races meant the most. Um, obviously, anytime you win an American Classic, it's a huge huge deal. Um, so we're extremely proud of that, especially in our first opportunity. Uh, Brandon may not, you tell me another, something should be a very special accomplishment for you. Brandon may not know this, but our very first podcast last year, we've had 88 of these, had a lot of people on your horse smooth, like straight was preparing for the uh, war chant that day. It was our first podcast. I hope CC's listening. We were talking about that race smooth, like straight. And that was our selection on our very first podcast. And that horse won. So there's another feather in your cap. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations on that. I'm sure if you want to get a, I don't think you get a trophy for that. No, but no trophy. But he's uh, there's a horse there that's obviously hopefully got a lot more trophies in his future as a five year old, and he's come mm-hmm. back and had a little bit of a break. So um, another horse we're looking forward to um, to showcasing this year. Yeah, did you like my segue? I was able to work into smooth like straight here because I wanted to ask him about because that horse uh, was a European stud away from winning the Breeders' Cup this year, right, when a Space Blues got, but I thought the horse ran just tremendous. Uh, that, but the horse always does run tremendous, always runs consistently, always fires, and uh, I'm sure the horse is going to get a Breeders' Cup win next year if you, if you guys can keep uh, keep her in form like that. But I actually have a question about Smooth Like Straight. Uh, is that horse named after George Strait? He is, yes. <laughs> All right, I, I figured yeah. I was right. Yeah. I figured I was right. Who, who is the uh, the owner a friend? Is the owner related to George? Well, how owner did that work? Owner is a George Strait fan, and and um, I I believe someone in the George Strait camp knows that the horse is named after him. But um, yeah, owner is a big George Strait fan. And uh, I can't imagine anybody that wouldn't be a George Strait fan. So uh, good for. So I always pull for that horse because. Uh, uh, that is one smooth troubadour in George Strait. Um, two more quick questions. I'll send it back to Brandon. Do people ever get you confused for Mike McCarthy of the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys head coach? Does that ever come up? Uh, has not come up yet and definitely hasn't come up this year. I think by the sound of it, by by what I've read, I think I've had a little bit better year this year than Mike McCarthy, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, uh, yeah, haven't, 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 certainly haven't been mistaken for him yet, but, um, you know, I was kind of just, just sort of out of curiosity, kind of follow what he's doing in his career. You punch up your name once in a while and you kind of see those things and you can't help but read it. But, um, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I, I would imagine that being a professional football coach and even at the best of times probably isn't a real easy profession. So I say there's probably a lot of parallels between training resources yeah. and coaching coaching uh football well they're in the playoffs this year and he's got a super bowl ring because he's coach at green bay but you've got a preakness trophy the what's the pre 
what's what, what the Preakness Trophy called? The Woodland Vase? What's it Woodland called? Woodland Vase, yeah. It's the oldest Woodland trophy Vaz. in sports, I believe. Yeah, I, I, who'd, I'd rather have that for Super Bowl ring any day. That's just me. And staying on the football vein, you're from Youngstown, Ohio. Brandon mentioned that earlier. That's a big football town. And the only reason I mentioned that is because I'm a huge Kentucky football fan. And our coach, Mark Stoops, is from Youngstown, Ohio. Do you know of Mark Stoops at all? I know, obviously do know of Mark Stoops. Um, they're a, uh, a football family that's, you know, uh, yes. well-known throughout Ohio. You know, the Stoops, well-known throughout the state of Ohio. Their f- football family is obviously stuff of legend. Um, success all over the country. Professional football, or excuse me, college football. But you see how Brandon and I was able to tie all my loves together there, horse racing, Kentucky football. If I could figure out a way to ask him about Huey Lewis or Def Leppard or John Mellencamp or something like that, or, you know, I would do it. But I guess I'll just leave it, leave it at that. But uh, I tell you I what, Kentucky football, huh? I saw you guys, I saw Kentucky play their home opener. They were pretty impressive. Yeah. Oh, you were there? Were you there that day? Yeah, it was great. They had another good season. Cool. They were 10 and 10 and 3. They beat Iowa in the Citrus Bowl, so uh, maybe you were the lucky charm because you've had such a big year that you set them on their way to a big year, Mike. Let's go with that, okay? Yeah, it works. You know, uh, the Eclipse Awards are coming up, and uh, if if we could have an Eclipse for maybe a moment of the year in horse racing, interview of the year in horse racing, your your post-Preakness NBC interview, it would have to be one of the finalists for – uh, for that, if they had such a thing, uh, have you gotten a chance to watch that? Was it was a beautiful thing to watch after you won the Preakness with Ron Bauer? Have you got a chance to watch it? Does your family watch it? I mean, I'm sure you heard a lot about it, correct? Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. And like I said, you know, on a big day like that, second leg of the Triple Crown, and you know, there's a lot of fanfare surrounding something like that. Just one of those things the way it worked out, COVID protocols, and young kids in school, you know. Um, and having to quarantine and all that kind of stuff. So wasn't able to have my wife and my daughter there. Um, you know, horse jumps up and runs as big as he did. And everybody's excited. And you kind of look around and you've got, you know, right. no one to high five, nobody to hug or anything like that. And, you know, uh, it, so it's a little bit bittersweet. You're, a, you're excited that you've won something like that. B, you're a little, 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 uh, <clears throat> little flustered that there's no one around to kind of kind of share it with so um you know and i was very happy for the fractions too i mean they're commercial breeders they're small commercial breeders they've got two mares and they've maybe added a mare or two since since the preakness but um the odds of something like that happening with a horse that you know wasn't really attractive to two-year-old buyers and things like that for him to come where to come from where he came from and reach the mountaintop is a is a heck of a story it is, and I will tell you this. You say you may not have had anybody to share it with, but you shared it with millions of people nationwide. That video really touched people. So even though you may not have had somebody right there next to you, it actually did strike a chord in the racing community. So uh, it will live It will live on and stuff. So it was a tremendous moment, and it came through across on TV. And especially for those of us who had the common sense to bet Roundbauer, there's a, there's a few of us who were on that horse from the get-go. Uh I was one of them. Our friend Caitlin Free was one of them. Uh, our bud Will Nesker. Will Nesker's on Ron Bauer from the very beginning. I think and that was the only race he didn't bet him was the pregnancy. That's, that's silly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, we all we all have that, right? Every other race. 
<laughs> yeah, I, All right, I, Brandon. I love, I love CC against Gamine this year. I mean, anything to kick it. I, the, that trainer of, you know, of uh, Gamine, I, I'm just so happy that CC won. It was thrilling, and uh, I made some money on that, too, so appreciate it. But, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, so we're going to start, I think, this coming year, uh, hopefully no more Omicron or whatever the Delta Alpha of the next thing, the next string. But, you know, we're I'm debating this since we got a lot of golfers that are also in horse racing. And maybe we're going to have the Auxiliary Gate uh, golf tournament here in Kentucky. Oh, okay. Uh, Auxiliary Gate will, will put a title sponsor, but we would love to have trainers against other trainers. It would actually be pretty fun. A nice Good scramble. idea. Mike, what, yep. what's your handicap? Uh, I'd say I'm about a five or a six handicap. Wow. Wow. I don't know much about golf, but I know that's good. Yes, wow. what do you do with your phone then if you're going to play four a four-hour round of golf or do you only get <laughs> nine holes or how do, how do you do it? Because that phone goes nonstop. Yeah, it's, just kind of <laughs> throw it in the golf cart and try not to pay too much attention to it, but uh, we don't get the opportunity <laughs> to play too much anymore. So don't Where do really. you get to play it? Where do you get to play? Uh, I'll play wherever. I, I don't have a particular place in general. Do enjoy. You come in town, we'll play either Audubon, we'll play uh, Hurstbourne, or we'll play Valhalla, and then we'll uh, we could we could be like I don't know other trainers we can get. Cause I don't know many other trainers that play golf, but I know I think Brad Cox plays a little golf, and I know Justin can hit the ball. Can he? No, I'll play yeah. putt putt. I'm not I'm not much of a golfer, but uh, that is impressive. A handicap of five. Well, Mike, yeah, we appreciate it tonight, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna definitely keep you posted, and we're gonna send it in the mail, the Auxiliary Gate Podcast uh, hat. We want you to wear it proudly on the West Coast and flash it around all the other trainers because you're gonna be sponsored now. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> appreciate that. Justin, Justin, your uh, Justin Curran here locally took two of the hats. I still haven't Did seen. He really? Them. I had one worn, you know, one of them yet. I haven't seen him. He's too busy. But. But anyway, well, thanks again, Mike. Hey, we appreciate guy? it, okay? Thank you, guys.